We have been in a series from the book of Ephesians, and uh, we're going to continue today with Ephesians chapter 3. So let me just start out by uh, reading the passage uh, that we're going to be looking at today, which is verses 14 through 21. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, for whom every family in heaven and on earth is named that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Sorry, my throat's getting a little dry. Um, would it be possible if I could request a very small glass of water, or even a larger glass of water? Um, just any water at all uh, would be, um, oh. Well, I'm so glad I complimented you this morning. Thank you for... Um, <laughs> Thank you for your exceeding kindness uh, in that way. Uh, just, just give me a moment. Okay, oh, that is so much better. Thank you. Uh, let me pick it up at verse 20. It says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church. <coughs> Excuse me and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Oh, okay. All right. We're going we're gonna to make it through. By God's grace, we're going we're gonna to make it through this. All right. Um, have you ever had a, a situation where you are telling somebody a story and you are so excited as you are telling them this story and then you start talking about something else that may not necessarily be related to the story. Uh, for example, maybe you went on a trip and you're, you're telling people about um, this trip or they ask you about this trip and, and you start to tell them about it and then you get sidetracked because you start to tell them about this, this restaurant that you stopped at and, and had all this wonderful food and, and all this type of thing. And, and you get so carried away about the restaurant and the food that you have that you stop talking about the original thing uh, in the first place, which was about this trip. Well, in Ephesians chapters 1 and 2, and, and, and um, Patrick and, and TC have um, carried us through uh, those first couple of chapters, um, Paul has shared a, a lot of uh, theology and, and deep uh, truth regarding salvation and the church and the availability of uh, salvation to the Gentiles. And now Paul starts to move into something a little bit more personal. He's going to talk about uh, his, his calling and, and how God is working through him. And then a little bit later on in the chapter, he starts to um, speak more about a, a prayer that he has for the Ephesians. But he, he starts to talk about this, um, 
uh, you know, all this theological talk, and then he gets sidetracked into the mystery of Christ. Uh, if you go back to Ephesians 3, 1, he starts out by saying, you know, for this reason, and, and then he just goes off into this bunny trail. And then verse 14, he's doing the same thing again. He starts out for this reason, and then he doesn't finish the thought because he's moving into something else. And so as we look at what Paul does, or as we, as we look at what Paul prays, this prayer for Ephesians, um, we're going to see three things, three steps that we should take when we come to God. And the first is this, be humble before God. Now, in Ephesians, Paul has talked about God's um, adoption uh, of us as his children. He's, he's talked about the... Um, tearing down of the wall of the hostility between Jews and Gentiles. He's spoken about the mystery of Christ. He's spoken about the fact that he is a prisoner um, uh, of Christ. And, and now, after all of that, Paul approaches with this kind of humble um, posture, this, this humble attitude and, uh, that he takes as he comes to God in prayer. And so let's read about it in verses 14 and 15. It says, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. I, I think most of us understand that there are several stances that we can take when it comes to prayer. We can um, stand with our, our hands lifted up. We can simply bow our head and close our eyes. We can um, sit with our head bowed. Uh, we can lie uh, flat on the, on the ground with our face on the floor. Or we can kneel before God. What, whatever you choose, at least in this passage, we see that kneeling before God in prayer seems to communicate some form of humility and loyalty before God. You know, very much like subjects will kneel before a, uh, in the presence of a king or, or a queen, here is Paul choosing to kneel before God in prayer. You know, we're, we're free to take any stance we want, um, you know, as we come before God in prayer. But however we do that, we need to do so in humility. We need to have an understanding of who God is, and who we are in relation to God. Because we can't forget, we've been saved by grace. This is not something that we did ourselves. We didn't earn our relationship with God. We are in Christ. And you remember I, I spoke about being in Christ uh, a few weeks back in, from chapter 1. Before God, and, 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 you know, we have only come to God by his love and by his grace. And so, for that reason, we should be humble before our God. Remember what Paul says at the beginning of verse 14. He says, for this reason. 
And, and this reason, uh, all the reasons are, that are listed from chapter 1, verse 1, to chapter 3, verse 13. For all the reasons that Paul has spoken about, uh, about the work of God, we, we should come to God with a posture of humility and a posture of uh, reverence. And so when we come before God, let us do so humbly. And not only should we come before him humbly because he is king, uh, we should also do it because he is the giver of life. In, in verse um, 15, it says, From whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. In, in the KJV, it says, Of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. In, in the New American Standard, it says, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. Remember, Paul has just spoken about the mystery of Christ and the salvation that's, that's available to all people who will come to God in Christ through the work of Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so Paul is pointing out here that all people of the earth, owe their existence to God. Everything that has breath and life in heaven and on earth owes its very heartbeat to God, who is the Father of all things. So not only is our salvation found in Christ from God, but our createdness, and I don't even know if that's a word or not, it may not be good English, but I hope it's good preaching. But our createdness is owed to God, our creator, the, the one from whom every family on earth is named. Every family, every people, every nation owes its very existence to God. And so as we come to God, let us come before him humbly. Secondly, be filled with God. I remember uh, a few years ago, and, and I know Isaiah will remember this as well. A few years ago, on Mother's Day, we went out for a buffet at a restaurant, okay? Isaiah's shaking his head now. He knows where I'm going with this, okay? We went out as a family to a restaurant uh, that was having this Mother's Day special, a, a, a buffet that they were offering, and we were there for quite some time. I mean, it must have been a six or eight hours, I think. No, it wasn't that long, but it was a couple, maybe we were there a couple of hours. And we were just enjoying all the food uh, that was there, uh, that, that they had to offer. I mean, there's a buffet. It's, every, it's, it's all you can eat. And, and it was just way too much food that we were enjoying that day. Right, Isaiah? You remember it well, right? I mean, it was all very delicious, but it probably wasn't very healthy for us to do that. And I remember when I got home um, that afternoon, you know, after filling myself, I, I sensed I needed a nap. And so I, I lay down, and I was, I, was laying on my, I was laying on my stomach, 
Now, even though, like, you know, the pillow is here and I'm laying my head here, I feel like I'm, like, two feet off the ground because my stomach just felt like it protruded, you know, because of all this food that I had consumed. And then even when I woke up the next morning, Monday morning, I still had that effect of feeling so full of what I had eaten from the day before. When I think back to that particular time, it reminds me that what I have filled myself with is going to affect me. In, in the verses that I'm going to share with you in just a moment, Paul speaks of strengthening ourselves through God's Spirit and, and having Christ dwell in our hearts and being rooted and comprehended in the love of God, knowing Christ's love and being filled with the fullness of God. Let's, let's check it out. Verse 16. That according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that... Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have the strength to, be, to comprehend with all the saints who, what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with the fullness of Christ. Here it is once again. Paul is voicing his prayer request for the Ephesian followers of Jesus, and he asks for, for certain requests to be given to them. Um, he, and he does so, he, he's appealing to the riches of God's glory. And, and once again, we see the blessings of God spoken as riches. These are invaluable blessings that come from God uh, to those who are in Christ. So let, let's just look at just a moment for these requests Okay, these are requests for the Ephesian believers, and, and they are blessings that all believers should seek from the riches of God's grace. First, we, we see this. Um, we see strength for our inner being that is being given by God's Holy Spirit, and that's from verse 16. Now, now Paul has spoken about this previously back in chapter 1, about how the, um, the eyes of our heart need to be enlightened. And now he's, he's praying that God's Spirit will give us strength for our inner being. I think that's a wonderful prayer request, and I think that's a practical prayer request that, that because it's a reminder that every day we, we need God's Spirit to strengthen us. We need Him to, to strengthen us daily and to strengthen us hourly and to strengthen us every moment of our existence. Secondly, we, we see the dwelling of Christ in our hearts through faith, and that comes from verse 17. And so though we're, we're in Christ, Paul also prays that Christ would dwell in us, and that his presence would be with us and live within our, our, our most inmost being. Third, we, we see that we will be firmly rooted in love. That also comes from verse 17. Uh, Jesus himself spoke elsewhere of the, the, the necessity of love. Uh, when asked about the most important command, Jesus replied this way from, from Matthew 22. He said to him, 
You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And on these two command, or commandments depend all of the law and the prophets. Lord, may we be rooted and grounded in love. Fourth, he says that we may comprehend the greatness of God's love. Also from verse 18, Paul, Paul is using a, a language here that's, that's not even like perfectly discernible in the original Greek language in terms of like the, the, the measurement he's using. He, he's speaking of, of length and, and width and, and height and depth but we can't even quite grasp it all. It's like when you're, you know, when, when you, know, for if, you know, if you had a, a, a child, you know, as a parent, you know, and, and your child just comes up to you and says, Mommy or Daddy, I love you this much, right? And they're stretching out their arms to express the, the love they have for it, you know, and they say, I love you this much, like a zillion times over. We we really can't understand how much that is. But here's what you do know. Your child loves you. Paul is praying that the Ephesians will know how greatly God loves them. And that they will know the transforming power that God's love has. Also, Paul prays that the Ephesians will know something that is beyond knowing Christ's love. He says the, the love of Jesus surpasses knowledge, that the love of Jesus is so great that we can never know it fully. But, it, but it's Paul's prayer, and, and, and I hope it would be our prayer too, that followers of Jesus will, will know the love of Jesus more and more. Finally, in verse 19, he says that we may be filled with the fullness of God. See, all of these blessings result in us being filled with the fullness of God. Not, not in the sense that we have everything that God has. I don't think that's what Paul is trying to say here. I think it's rather that so that God has so much to give to us that he is so full that he can fill us up um, all the way so that, um, that we can be all that he has called us to be. All that he has created us to be. Um, all that he desires us to be. If we are to grow as a church, if we are to have an impact in this community. We must be filled with the fullness of God. Pa Paul has a, a desire here to see the Ephesian believers blessed and changed by the generous grace of God. And I pray that that would be our desire, not only for ourselves but for our brothers and for our sisters in Christ by receiving the blessings of God. We're, we're filled with the fullness of God and we're filled with the superb and supernatural 
spiritual blessings that are secured by our Savior, Jesus Christ. Let us be filled with God. Finally, may we be mesmerized by God. As, as Paul concludes this passage and, and this section of the letter, it, it includes a, a beautiful a doxology. Now, now, you may be wondering, what is a doxology? A, a, a doxology is simply an expression of, of praise to God, and it's usually used in a worshipful way. Um, often doxologies are meant to be used uh, as a conclusion uh, to a thought or, or at a time of worship. I remember growing up in Canada and the, the church that, that I attended, we would sing the, the doxology at the end of our worship service each week. Uh, I, I would share that with you via song, but I don't know that that's going to enhance your worship time this morning. Um, but it, it went something like, um, praise God for whom all blessings flow, praise him all creatures here below. Um, praise him above the heavenly host, praise Father, Son, and, and Holy Ghost. And, and, and Paul is offering this doxology now as a, as a conclusion to his train of thought. And so let's look at these verses, um, 20 and 21. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than uh, we ask or think, according to the power of work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ, uh, Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Uh-oh, what, what has happened here? Sorry about this. Let me just... Having a very minor... Technical difficulty. We'll uh, we'll get this fixed in just a moment here. Uh oh. Okay. I'm not, I'm not exactly sure what I did here, but hopefully I can fix that. And if I can't fix that, okay, there we go. All right. These are verses that essentially are pointing us back to the greatness and uh, the glory of God. And, and Paul is giving us as his reasons, reasons to be mesmerized by who God is. Now, to, to, to be mesmerized basically means to focus one's attention on something uh, so much so that you'll lose focus on everything else that's going on around you. Uh, for example, and I'll go back to my son Isaiah again for this example. When I think back to when he was um, a lot younger, a few years ago, um, Isaiah was mesmerized by video games. Um, Isaiah was mesmerized by cartoons. Isaiah was mesmerized by his mommy. His mommy was mesmerized when she looked into my eyes. 
I, I think you get the point. We as a church should be mesmerized by God. And, and Paul is pointing us to the greatness of God, which makes everything else in comparison seem really pale. And so Paul is, says that God is able to do above and beyond anything that we ask or think. You know, perhaps you think that God really can't accomplish that prayer request that you've been praying for. And Paul says, yes, he can. Perhaps you think that God really can't forgive you because of some really dark sins in your life. And Paul says, yes, he can. Perhaps you think that God really can't cause our church to thrive during a pandemic. And Paul says, yes, he can. Perhaps you think that God can't use you to share the gospel across the street or across the world. And Paul says, yes, he can. Paul is saying that not only can God do above and beyond everything that we ask or think, but God can do above and beyond what we think. You see, you can't even think of things that are beyond the greatness and the ability of God. Paul says this is, this is who God is. And perhaps we need to reflect on his greatness. And after understanding who he is, we, we must realize the glory that he's due. Paul, Paul says in, in verse 21 that you know, to him be glory in the church and in, and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. God deserves all the glory. The glory is manifested in Jesus Christ, seen in his obedience, his faithfulness, his suffering, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, his work of salvation. God deserves the glory. And so also the glory of God is manifested in the church, which is the body of Christ, the, the vehicle with, uh, through which God blesses the world and the dwelling place of his presence. To him be all the glory. To him be all the honor. To him be all the praise. And once we understand all that God has done for us, the appropriate response is praise and to glorify him. And so may we be mesmerized by the work of God, by the love of God, by the grace of God, by the incalculable riches of God, by the inheritance of God, by God's election of us, by God's adoption of us, by God's redemption of us, by God's equipping of us for his good works. 
God's dwelling within us and so much more. And so to him be all the glory. And so what a, what a goal for us to pray towards and to, and to strive towards that we should be humble with God, that we should be filled with God, and that we should be mesmerized by God. Because when we are doing those things, God is getting ready to do something great among us as a church. So I think we should, we should just kind of, as we conclude, just kind of draw it down to, to this single bottom line. Behold the power and the glory of God. God can do so much more in us and through us than we can imagine. And so let's press into him more and more and see how he glorifies himself through us. Here's just a few different ways that perhaps we can challenge ourselves, especially as we're entering now into this time as a church, into this time of, of, of prayer and fasting. Just, just a few practical things. Number one, kneel. You see, Paul took a posture of humility, and, and so let me challenge you this week to practice taking a posture of humility before God. Maybe that means we need, we literally kneel before him in prayer. Now maybe perhaps you're, you're not physically able to kneel, and, and so maybe it means laying your head face down in your hands to come before God, or whatever posture that may look like but we need to humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord. Secondly, ask. Ask God to bless you with some of those blessings for which Paul prayed for in, in today's message. Ask God to give you or to help you understand the greatness of, of Jesus more. Ask God to, to help you um, be led by His Spirit. You see, to be clear, you can ask God for, for pretty much anything. Uh, you, yes, you can ask God for, for uh, healing and for um, you know, perhaps help in your finances or in your job or, or, or uh, ask Him uh, that you would have more joy. But don't be afraid to ask Him for big, big things. Um, like his power and his love and to understand his greatness and his glory. Finally, reflect. Just imagine for a moment that you were transported back to, let's say, the 1950s. And you were presenting somebody with an iPhone 12. 
And so they're going to ask you, oh, you know, what, what is that you know, that you're holding in your hand? And, and you'll say something like, oh, this is a phone. And they might think, what? I can make phone calls with this? Even without a cord? I can call people with this? And you would tell them that this phone can do way more than just that. That you can find any information about any topic that you want anytime using this thing called the internet. And that you can navigate to any place in the world with this thing called GPS. And that you can take pictures anytime you want and take as many as you want and you can see them instantly. And that you can waste lots of time playing video games and reading about other people's lives on social media. And that you can catch up with any news from anywhere in the world in just a matter of minutes. This phone, you would tell them, can do far beyond what you can imagine. I think it would take a lot of time for that person to comprehend the greatness that is iPhone 12. There is so much for us to drink in and to enjoy when it comes to the greatness of God. There is so much to discover. The length and the width and the height and the depth of God's love is wonderfully vast. He can do far beyond, far above anything that we can ask or think. And so I would encourage you, take some time to reflect upon the beauty and the greatness and the glory of God. Come to him with humble and eager hearts. Our God is the great one from whom all families of the earth owe their very existence. He is worthy of glory from all the families in Karen, all the families in Nairobi, all the families of Nigeria and Nicaragua and Nepal and the Netherlands and Nebraska and New York. He's worthy. I'm going to invite the praise, praise and worship team to come back up. If you've been changed by Jesus, ask him to continue to show more of what he can do. Ask him to continue to sanctify you and to make you holy. but if you haven't been changed by Jesus, may I encourage you to come to him today and experience the great power 
and love of God that can change you for an eternity.